What we're doing on these Wednesday nights, months ago, we began as staff to say, when will we start back on Wednesday night? Well, as we got to within a window of when it might be, I began thinking about, well, now, what am I going to preach? What would be the appropriate thing? What would be a good thing? What would be a helpful thing to preach on Wednesday nights? I mean, you know, we've all got stuff we can preach, but I thought, I want to do something that would, that would be the right thing to do, be timely. And so this idea about these spiritual footprints kind of came to me, and I began to think about that, and I thought, you know, that would, that would be an interesting thing. It's going to be some hard work on my end because everything I'm doing, I'm, I'm having to start from ground zero. So I'm spending more time preparing these messages than, than, than I would if I just took something I'd done and kind of tweaked it and changed it and all that around. But it, I've been blessed so far doing it. Now, we, we started last week, and it ended last week by my asking you two things. Number one. Think of people that have left spiritual footprints for you. They're still living. You might want to thank them if they've already gone to be with the Lord, which will be the, the, the major ones in my life. I thank the Lord for, for what they did and meant to me in my life. And then the second thing last Wednesday night I asked you to do was, was try to live in such a way that you can leave spiritual footprints for your children, for your grandchildren, for people that you're around, whoever they may be. And so those were two good things to challenge all of us to do. Now, last Wednesday night, we looked at the, at the spiritual footprints of Noah. That's, that's kind of where we were last Wednesday night, and uh, I'm not going to review all of that, but, you know, I talked about three good spiritual footprints he left. Number one, his intimacy with God. That was one of his spiritual footprints. He lived by faith, not by sight. God told him to build an ark. Floodwaters was coming. He didn't know what rain was. And, and so we talked about that a little bit. And then we talked last week about he was a partner with God. That whole idea, this would be a good sermon about uh, human responsibility and God's divine sovereignty. I mean, where is God's sovereignty and man's responsibility? How does that work? Well, the human responsibility was God told him to build an ark, and he built it. God told him he'd get he and his family and the animals to go in the ark, and he did. And then God's part, the divine sovereignty, God, if you read your Bible, God closed the door. And so that's kind of where we left off. Now, Sunday, John, in his sermon, kind of tagged in to something very, very interesting, which was kind of where I was going to begin to tag in tonight as we moved to Abraham. All of his spiritual footprints, Noah's, were not perfect. And remember I said last week there are 3,237 3, named people in the Bible. 3,200, excuse me, 3,327 3, people named in the Bible. Now a few of them according to the Bible, left no good spiritual footprints. But most all of them left many good spiritual footprints. But listen, not one of them except Jesus left perfect spiritual footprints. Not one of the 3,237 named people in the Bible was perfect except Jesus. So all of them had some weaknesses. All of them had some flaws. And I think that's very encouraging because all of us have weaknesses. All of us have flaws. You say, why did they? Same reason we do. 
The Bible teaches us that when Adam sinned, that that sin passed on to everybody who is living. And, and we need to also understand that. We read that in the book of Romans in chapter 5 in verse number 12. When Adam sinned, we all sin. Now, Noah's bad footprint was, you remember when he got out of the ark, he built an altar and he worshiped God. That was one of his good spiritual footprints. And then God told him and his children be fruitful and multiply. And he went into the farming business. And the next thing you know, you read in the Bible, John hit on it last Sunday morning, he goes and gets drunk. Now that's not a good spiritual footprint. That's called a bad spiritual footprint. And so he, like all the other people, had his flaws and had his weaknesses. Now tonight, I want us to look at another man this man, Abraham, and I want us to see his spiritual good prints that are good, and I want us to see his spiritual footprints that are bad, and I think we will learn some things that will help us. So, if you'll do this, if you'll open your Bible to Genesis chapter number 12, I think that's kind of where we'll just start tonight, Genesis chapter number 12. And I'm going to be reading and working tonight out of the New Living Translation. I'm going to get the ESV, English Standard Version, and, and talk about it for just a moment and look at a verse in it that will kind of help us in our study. But whatever translation you have, while well, you, you follow along, Genesis chapter number 12 is where we are. So here's what I want us to do. First, let me read in Genesis chapter 12 these first, these first four verses, and then I want to go back in chapter 11 and kind of read a little bit more of the story. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, verse 4 is very interesting. Abram, now I'm going to just call him Abraham. Remember, it's in chapter 17 that God changed his name. But I think it's just clearer in our conversation. If you'll let me tonight just go and change, I'm going to go by his changed name from chapter 17 back in the rest of the way. So Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Okay, and it says, uh, he took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, etc., and we'll read on a little bit later. So now that's what we have. Now I want you to go back in chapter 11, because if we don't go back in chapter 11, we kind of miss what's going on. Actually, what we read in chapter 12 was God's second call to Abraham. God's first call takes place back in chapter 11, and look with me in verse 27. The Bible says this is, a, this is the account of Terah's family. Now, Terah was the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans. So we're reading here about these three brothers. And one of these three dies uh, in the land of his birth while his father, Terah, was still living. Meanwhile... Abraham and Nahor married. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarah. I'm going to just take her changed name over in chapter 17 too. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcom. 
Now, Milk and her sister were daughters of Nahor's brother, Haran. But Sarah was unable to become pregnant and had no children. Now, in chapter 11, beginning with verse 27, we have Abraham and his family and his brothers. And, of course, they married these girls. But they're, they're all living they're all living uh, here in this place called Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, I've asked, we put this little map up on the screen. Can y'all put my map, are y'all where you can put the map up? Oh, am I in the way of the map? Am I in the way of the, okay. If you look, whether you want to look on, the, if you look up here, it looks really better. But I want you just to see what we're talking about. In the bottom, the bottom right-hand side, you see this this place called Ur, U-R. Now, this is where Abraham lived with his father and his family when God first called. And then, we'll read on later, his father gathers up the family, and they move, they travel up by the side of the Euphrates to up here at the very top to Haran. Now, in Ur... It's Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. That's where they are. Now, in chapter 12, verse 1, they're up here at Haran, so they've left. Now, the interesting thing about Ur, and all this land, before you take that map off, all this land to the right, you see the Euphrates River and the Tigris River, that's what we read about in the Bible when it talks about Mesopotamia. Sometime in the Bible you'll read, it'll talk about Mesopotamia. Okay, Mesopotamia is all that region over there. That is... This is not 100% exact, but it's close. That is present-day Iraq. Now, some other countries kind of get in part of that, but, but by and large, that is what that is. Now, here's the important thing about this. Everybody that lived in Ur, uh, in that whole, uh, they, were all, they, 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 they were pagans. They worshiped pagan gods. In fact, their big pagan god was the moon. The, god, they, the moon was a god. So think about this. Now, God, while they're down here in Ur, calls Abraham. And then in chapter 12, they've traveled on up to Haran, and this is his second. He really just repeated his call to go to Canaan. And it's a very, very interesting thing, and we're going to come back to that. But I want you to begin to put in your mind, think about what I'm saying. God calls Abraham also a Gentile. Now, now think about something a moment. Now you say, well, what, what, what is a Gentile? Uh, a Gentile is a person that has not been born, that at birth was not born by Jewish parents. So in life, everybody that's not born by Jewish parents today and back here, of course, there weren't any Jewish parents when we're talking here. I'm coming to that in a moment. They, they were Gentiles. So, so what God's done, he's, he's found this pagan family, and out of this pagan family, Gentile pagan family, God calls this person to get up, to leave his family, leave his home, leave his land, and to go to Canaan. Now, to get there, you've got to go to the top of that thing, to Iran, then you fix to come back down. You say, well, why didn't they just cut across? That's a desert, and there's no way with their little children, their animals, there's no way they could have journeyed. You know, people always travel near water. 
That's just true in history. Mankind has always, in there moving about in the world, they've always had to have water. So the water route would be right there by the Euphrates, and then you come back down, and finally you get into Canaan, you'll finally get into the Promised Land. So, now, so that's kind of a thumbnail sketch of kind of where we're going tonight. Now, the story of Abraham, and you may want to mark this in your Bible. I don't know if you write in your Bible or not. But, you know, I don't write everything in my Bible, but some things I think, you know, I'm going to later on kind of need to know that, and I'm not going to know where my notes are. But this is interesting. The story of Abraham in the Bible is in Genesis chapter number 12 through 25. So like in my Bible, I even have Abraham's story, chapter 12 through 25. You say, well, don't you think you'd just remember that? Had I thought I would, I wouldn't have written it in my Bible. Okay, now, so when you stop and think about that a moment, I mean, here, here's one man, Abraham, and the Bible takes from chapters 12 to 20 through 25, basically, uh, to tell us about that. That's 25% of the book of Genesis is devoted to man, Abraham. You say, what's so important about Abraham? Well, we're going to see what's so important. What God called him to do is amazing. It's very, very exciting to me. Now, interestingly, even though we have all this material about Abraham, we know not much about him until he got to be 75 years of age. And you learn that in verse 4. When he departed, he's in Haran. Now, he went with Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. So until that point, we don't know much about him. Now, but he had 100 more years to live. He was going to live to be 175 years old. And you learn that. In fact, you ought to turn to this verse. It's one of the greatest verses in the Bible to give comfort at death. I use it many times in a funeral. Uh, me, I'm, I'm turning the pages of this new Bible, and they're difficult sometimes to turn. In fact, I don't think this page is ever going to turn. Um, if it doesn't turn pretty quick, I'm just going to quote the verse. I got it to turn. Look in Genesis chapter 25, verse 7. Abraham lived 175 years. And he says, verse 8, he died in a ripe old age, having lived a long and satisfying life. He breathed his last breath and joined his ancestors in death. Actually, the New King James probably translates that verse better, or at least I like it better. But that's a very comforting verse because any, especially if someone's lived a long life, I mean, I don't, none, none of us going to live probably 175 years, but you know, when people have lived a long life and they die at a ripe old age, that's a blessing from God. Isn't that true? Someone lives a long life, that's a blessing from God. And he lived a satisfying life. He breathed his last breath. That's a better way to say than he died. And he went to be with his family in heaven. I mean, what could be more comfort than that? So that is a great verse of comfort that we find. Now, in this hundred years we have of Abraham, uh, after he was 75 from there forward, uh, we do know a lot about him. And here's, here's the amazing thing. God, now you ought to remember this, uh, God took a Gentile man who at some point had most of his life had been a pagan, and he called that man to begin he, he took a Gentile and made him the first Jew. I could say it that way to start with. There weren't any Jews. He's, he's now going to be the father. He's going to be the head. He's going to be the leader 
of a new nation. Now, the map, they don't put the map back, but in your mind, a guy down in Ur that's a Gentile and a pagan, God says, okay, I'm going to call that person. He's going to be, he's going to be the leader of a new nation. I'm going to make this promise to him. And you say, what is the promise? Well, it's right here in Genesis chapter 12. He said, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. So now, now here's the kicker in this thing. That Remember that in Genesis chapter 12, that's the repeat of the call back in chapter 27. Now, in your Bible, Genesis chapter 12 is a very important word. And you, your Bible may not have this word, but I want to deal with it. It's the word had. Now, every translation that I looked, except the New American Standard Version and the English Standard Version, has the word had. But I'm going to read out the English Standard Version in this moment. The English Standard Version has a, has a footnote to direct you to a verse over in Acts chapter 7 that clears the issue up. So when you look at, in our Bible, most that we're reading from, the Lord had said to Abraham. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means sometime back yonder, God told him this. Well, when is back yonder? <laughs> well, back yonder is back down here in earth. And you know that if you back up into chapter 11, verse 27, because that is where they were. Now, let me take a moment and get the English Standard Version. And I want to turn over in, in chapter 7. And, and the little footnote that it gives, if you're reading from the English Standard Version, and you're in, uh, you're in uh, Genesis chapter 12, the word had does not appear. But if you read the footnote and go over where the footnote says go, uh, it says, let's just go to verse 1. Now, by the way, uh, if, if you want to read just the history of Israel, you say, but I don't want to buy a big book and read the history of it. Just read Acts 7. Y'all ought to make a note of this. Y'all not going to remember all this stuff. Y'all just sit in there. You're not going to remember. I, I mean, you ought to just sometime get alone, and it won't take you forever. Just read Acts chapter 7, and you'll read a kind of a condensed, simple history of Israel. Now, Steve, you know, here, here's the deal. And the high priest said of these things, so he's talking to Stephen. And Stephen said, look, brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father, Abraham, when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. So the English Standard Version, if you'll follow the footnotes, you can figure it out. You want me to comment on that? Why do I want to get something I got to figure out when I can just pick up another one that already explains it to me? Now, let me say a word about translations because I love the different translations. I use five or six all the time. So, and I said sometime previous, I personally, I don't think one's the great one and the next one's number two and all. I mean, all these are good translations. Every translation has something that maybe isn't as clear as it is in some other translation and, and all that kind of stuff. But like, what should you do about a translation? What should anybody do? Well, number one, you want a translation that is readable and you want a translation that's reliable. And most all these translations are reliable, but we all read at different levels. 
So some people, they're just happy with the NIV, and, and then others, are, they, they, they understand better this translation. So I don't ever want to create the idea that like one translation is really good and, and that's the only one you should use. Uh, <laughs> the fact of the matter is every translation is a commentary. The translators read from the language that they have to read from to translate, and they agree on how you would say this in our day and time. And that's why we keep having all these revisions, because language changes. What something means a hundred years ago is not necessarily what something means today. But I just wanted to point out to you that that's how you know Genesis chapter 12 refers back to the fact that Abraham had been called. This is just to repeat. The Lord had said to him. He said it back in Ur. Now, with all that information, let's just jump into some things and move along rather very quickly. Let's think about his, his good spiritual footprints. And I'm going to hit this running pretty good. What are some of Abraham's good spiritual footprints? Well, one is he had faith uh, to obey God. He had faith to obey God. And you see it back in chapter 11 when they were down in Ur. Uh, his family obeyed God. Now what the Bible doesn't tell us, I've always wondered this, like God didn't call his father, God called him. But it was his father that got the family together and, and led them out to go from Ur to Haran. You know, what's the answer to that? Well, all you can do is use your sanctified imagination. Well, one thing you could say is, well, it was the father's place to always lead the family. So the father was just doing the father thing. Well, but I would think, surely, that Abraham would have told his dad what he felt God had told him. And his dad respected that and wanted to be part of what his son felt he should do. And, you know, but I don't know that. I don't know how... I don't know how Terah knew what to do. I, the Bible does not tell us that. But what I do know is, is that he was faithful to obey God. He gave up certainty for uncertainty. And uh, that, that word is so very important to help us understand that. And then, not only that, uh, another good example of a willingness to obey God. We can't look at all those things about Abraham's hundred years we know. But then when he offered Isaac... Well, that's a great example. That's a great footprint. He, he just was obeying what God told him to do. That, that's in Genesis chapter 22. I call that uh, Abraham's final examination. When God says, I want you to offer your son. You know the story. Yeah, and he passed it with flying colors. It's a great, great chapter. Well, a second great footprint he leaves about uh, uh, leaves for us is not only uh, faith to obey God, but uh, compassion and forgiveness. If you look over in chapter 14, if you'll just turn, something might interest you. The first record of a war in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 14. And there are these ten kings. And, and all of them's names pretty hard to pronounce, but that's what this chapter is all about. But that's also, this is a chapter, if you look down in verse number 13, in chapter number 14, if you go down to verse 13, what happened here, you know, this is when Lot had parted company and gotten down to Sodom and Gomorrah, and things went bad there, and one of Lot's men escaped to come back to tell Abraham, you know, that uh, his nephew had been captured and all these bad things. And, and, and what Abraham did, you know, he went down with some of his troops and uh, he, he rescued Lot and all the things he had lost. It's a great chapter to read. But, but as I thought about that, I thought, you know, Abraham could have said, you know, 
Old Lot made a bad choice. And if he'd have just thought it through and done what he should, he never would have gone down to Sodom and Gomorrah to start with. And so, you know, he made his bed, let him sleep in it. But that, that's not what he did. He had compassion and he had forgiveness. And that's a great footprint to leave behind. Well, not only that, another great footprint that he has to leave behind uh, is, is his justification. Now, look with me in Genesis chapter 15. This is a verse probably all of us have marked in our Bibles. In, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, is when it said, this is when Abraham became a believer. Now, not a Christian. You know, in the New Testament, believers were first called Christians at Antioch. But here in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it's this whole idea of his justification. He believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it as righteousness because of his faith. And, and his righteousness was based on faith, not works. Uh, his, his righteousness was based on a perfect faith. No, it was not a perfect faith. And none of us, our righteousness is based, based on a perfect faith. He doubted, and, and we also, uh, whether it be doubt or whatever, and his righteousness was, he, he was made righteous. No, he was declared righteous. I want you to look at the verse, whatever translation you're reading from. Genesis 15, 6 does not say God made him righteous. It says God declared him righteous. Or your translation may say he reckoned him. He counted it. He credited him. God imputed his righteousness on, on Abraham. It's, and that's how, write this verse down. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we become right with God by faith, not by our works, not by our anything, but by our receiving what God gives us and what God has done for us. Well, We've looked at some of these good footprints. Quickly, let's hit, some, let's hit some of his bad spiritual footprints. And one of those is his failure to trust God's promises. Now, go back in chapter 10. Excuse me, chapter 12, verse 10. And uh, let's kind of examine this thing. Uh, in, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, it says, At that time a severe famine struck the land of Canaan. Now, they're down in Canaan now forcing Abraham to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. Now think about something. I'll just say it and move quick. God didn't call him to go to Egypt. God called him to go to Canaan. But he gets in Canaan, and what happens? There's a famine. Well, what did he do? Well, he hightailed it off over here to Egypt. Well, if he'd just stayed over here where God told him to go, he'd have been way better off. You know, God would have somehow provided for him. You know, God provided his children. You know, he sent quail and he had the manna. He gave water out of a rock. I'm just saying God didn't call him to go. He didn't trust God's promise. That's a bad, bad footprint. And it's something if we're not careful. You know, if God, if God calls you to do something, let me tell you something. He'll make a way. Could I have an amen to that? If God calls us to do something, whether it's the corporate body of believers or if it's an individual, God will make a way. If God wants the Wednesday night services to be streamed, some people are going to surface. Now, if God doesn't care, 
Well, then the people won't care. I'm just telling you, if, if God makes you a promise, he'll, he'll make a way. But Abraham kind of flunked the test. I'll tell you another way he flunked the test. It's also in chapter 12. <laughs> he left the bad spiritual footprints of telling a lie. It's also in chapter 12, when they got over near Egypt, you know the story. He, he had a beautiful wife, and he said to her, you're so beautiful. When they see you, they'll kill me. So what I want you to do is you tell them you're my sister. That's called a lie. Now, you might say, well, it's just a half lie. She was actually his half sister. I'll just say you're just hunting away around the truth yourself if you say that. This thing could have been a catastrophe. It could have been a catastrophe. You know, it's very interesting to me. Uh, in, in, the, in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 6, you've read it before, the Bible gives us seven things God hates. And number two on the list is a lying tongue. I contend if a person will lie, they'll do anything. I really believe that. I mean, if a person lies... I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust them on my car keys. Uh, I wouldn't trust them on my bank account. There's, there's just, there's just, it's, just, it's just not how God, that's a bad footprint to leave. And then in chapter 16, let's get in. We'll knock all this out tonight. It's very good. In chapter 16, another bad footprint, he yielded to the culture rather than what God said. You say, well, what's going on here in chapter 16? Well, it's, it's the birth of Ishmael. You know, 10 years had gone by. Sarah still is childless, can't have a child. And so she comes up, which probably she came up with it while they were in Egypt. In Egypt, there was a code, and it had a name, that if you were not able to have a child after a certain number of years that you could get your maidservant to have that child. It's kind of like having a child in proxy. And so now I'm just reading what's in the Bible. If time would let us, we'd read all this. But what she told, you know the story, what she told her husband Abraham to do. She said, look, I'm unable to have a child, but why don't you take Hagar and you have a child by her and then that that's us have a child. And of course, he just, he just bought right into that and did what she suggested. And, and uh, you know, the end of that just had all kind of problems. But, but, but here, here's the point with that. What, the big picture of that, and this is why I got on this. This same thing's happening today. If we're not careful, listen to me, we yield to the culture versus what God says. And folks, in America today, this is where we are. I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing things we would never have believed. What's happened, we've taken our eyes off of God and what God says. I mean, here's what God said. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. But we have now our culture and our laws and our government and our courts and they're just, they've just passed law after law after law that violates what God says. For example, legalized abortion for any reason. That's not what's in this book. No, no. Uh, a contempt for historic Christian marriage. Well, no, law says women that can wear women, men can marry women. You know, well, that's just not what God says. 
But that's what culture says. And we, I mean, on the TV now, it's just, I never would have believed Hallmark would have given in to a lot that they've given in to. And I'm not shooting bullets at Hallmark. But now a certain percent of all their stuff is going to be homosexual. You say, well, we know better. Yeah, but when our little children just grow up seeing all this, I mean, our grandchildren are not going to know any difference. They watch it on TV. This is just how it is. Well, see what that is. Culture is now kind of running the show. Uh, liberalism in the pulpits. That's not culture's problem. That's religion's problems. And it's a sad, sad thing. You know, I, I was thinking, it, 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 as, as the book of Judges ends, everyone, they said, here's how it is. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Is that not America today? Just, you just, everybody do whatever you think's right. Well, what does God say? Well, we don't worry about that. It's 2021. We've got to get modern. You know, we've got to get in the, in the century we now live. No, what we need to do is get the Word of God in us in the century we now live. And, and that, that's just kind of where we are. Well, here, here's a, you know, here's a, here's a bottom line. What do we do? Well, here's what we do. Write this verse down, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2. I think this is what we must do. Like, I can't change the world, you can't change the world, but we don't have the world change us. We can still keep standing on what the Word of God teaches. And the Bible says, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I just want to encourage you, uh, read the Word. When God, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. And the Bible is just as in date today as it was when the Holy Spirit of God wrote it. And if we'll just keep proclaiming the Word of God, it won't impact everybody, but it will impact somebody. And if we'll just keep doing that, God will bless because His Word never returns void.